Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Crazy Train with Jasmine St. Clair. Today's guest is a very special one. It's actually someone I saw on TV before, and I always heard about what a talented um, person she was, like outside of the adult films, obviously. But I never met a porn star that does swing dancing, uh, was in the school band, and actually a physical therapist in um, my hometown in St. Croix, actually Christian Stud St. Croix. So without further ado, here's Sherry Deville. Sherry Deville. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you you don't so understand, this is so cool. <laughs> I'm excited, I'm excited to be here. So I have to ask you this, cause this is such a weird thing. Nobody knows anything about St. Croix. No one in this entire world. Yeah. Now, I lived in Christianstead for quite some time. Why did you go to St. Croix and where did you live when you were there? I was only there for 13 weeks and I lived in what they called the white ghetto. It's kind of like the, uh, like La Madeline was like the little community there with all the little, like everyone had like a little plunge pool and their little condo. And I used to do traveling physical therapy. So basically there was a lot of different ways you could do it back then. It was uh, like a magazine and you went to the back and then you saw all the little travel opportunities available. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. You know, I don't have my license there. Let's see how hard this is. I got it in to get my license here in California. It took a year, fingerprints, money, uh, additional testing. I just send all kinds of stuff in. I got it in like a week. I did nothing. They just, I guess, had like a meeting with whoever was in charge there. And they're like, sure, she can have her license. And that was it. And I worked at an outpatient physical therapy clinic. And even though the island was beautiful, everything was beautiful about that, um, my... OCD and the island culture, especially because I was working there, was actually stressful for me. So there was all this. So I had like, in all my other jobs, I had a scheduling book. And you know, I'd have people like, you're at 10, you're at 1030, you're at, you know, like really specific scheduling that I'm gonna have my meaningless. I mean, not just the time of day being meaningless, the day of the week was meaningless. People just showed up when they felt like <laughs> and it was yeah it was hard for for me to to kind of just be like it's okay relax you're just gonna do the best job you can with whoever's here today <laughs> it's gonna be okay but I like to like pull all my charts in the morning and like review them and really have a game plan and game plan was not the plan <laughs> that was effective for that tiny little oasis yeah and St. Croix it's different I mean it's you get island fever like I could live there it's no problem because like I know 
I just know the island. I know to stay away from Frederickstad because they have black eels on the beach. And I saw mm. when I was a kid. Um, you lived there for a while, huh? Yeah. I mean, it says I was born there. I wasn't born there, though. I just went there as a little child. So, so yeah, I was born there. But um, yeah, I mean, I still have family there. My my uncle is like a pastor. Oh, the I church didn't burn down when he went in. But it's so different. You know, they all talk like that down there as well. So people must understand that it's actually American territory. So this is why I'm really puzzled because you did go to college, right? You're very smart and you graduated. Did they even ask you for your diploma before you began to like touch people and adjust them? Yeah, they did. I had to get, I had to get my license because like basically, so for physical therapy, you pass your boards, which is your board exam. And then every state and apparently U.S. territory has a different criterion. Like for California and New York, it's very, very high grade that you have to get. Every state has something different. And then most states will also have additional exams, especially for silly stuff like like there'll be like a legal exam. Because what you can and can't do, what you're allowed to do with your license is different in every state. Uh, but they had none of that. You know, I just submitted a minimal amount of paperwork. And I was in, I got my license there in a snap, basically. That's scary, but it's very good to know. So I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I did the physical therapy thing here because of yeah. my ACL and it was an issue. It was amazing, you know, but then again, there are not that many physical therapists that look like you. So with that said, I would have given you a job, you know, even if you didn't have all the qualifications. Um, yeah. Like, luckily, I mean, luckily I did, but I felt like they should have vetted me better. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's insane. But I think, you know, if there's basically though, so travel physical therapy, you're, you're usually filling like a maternity leave or like they're desperate for therapists. Like there's a reason that they're taking a travel therapist in the first place. You know what I mean? This isn't, this isn't a long-term solution. It's just a, a brief patch. It's very interesting because I did look up some stuff about you and I don't like to read too much about people, but I know that you've been around for a long time and I did not want to watch that documentary, the documentary. Uh, it's just like, I got so grossed out at the end of it. And I mean, everyone knows I'm conservative at this point. I don't care what people's views are once they come on my show. That's your own thing. Yeah. Uh, but it just, towards the end of that, I see this girl in a scene making out with a guy, right? Fine, that's great. Then you see the guys making out and I'm not like homophobe, whatever the word is these days. It just, you would have been blacklisted back in the nineties, you know? It's true, a lot has changed now. And I, I personally like the change. I like, you know, everyone should be able to, First of all, no one has to do anything, which is very, 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 very important. So if you're in a scene like that, everyone is happily consenting, you know, and and I, I like it because people aren't losing work just based on their sexuality. They're not losing work based on their sexual preference or gender identity, which is new. Even when I started 12 years ago, I think I would have or I actually was told um, that if I worked with a trans performer, I would lose my career. And I can't remember exactly how many years in, probably about eight years in, I was like, this is just bullshit. And so I approached a friend of mine who, uh, a Brie Mills, who's a 
popular director and owner at adult time uh, for Gamma. And I said, listen, I would like to perform in my first trans scene. And I don't want it to be like all of the other movies that I had seen, like surprise, there's, you know, I didn't want it to be so fetishy. So she and I collaborated and just made a beautiful movie about two humans, you know, falling in love. But, but yeah, so that's not even the part of the documentary I don't like. I guess for me and that documentary, there are some good things. It is less damning and more humanizing than any other documentary I've seen on porn. However, that bar is grotesquely low. Uh, so that's good. But the part that I didn't like is they were placing us and, you know, the religious right as if we were on the same playing field. And what that group of people is doing right now is they're trying to get rid of porn altogether in the guise of child safety. Now, I actually don't have a problem with people who want to get rid of porn. That is, I think they have every right to say how they feel. But what I do have a problem with is using and manipulating people's emotions about children's safety to forward a dialogue that is just anti-porn. I wish they would be more truthful so that we could have an actual debate, but they're not. They're saying all these things about Pornhub that are less true of Pornhub than of Facebook, that are less true of Pornhub than of Twitter. You know, they're saying, oh, they have illegal content. Well, they have moderators and that illegal content now that it's not the tube site it was in the past is few and far between, the users are verified, we upload IDs, you know, it, it's not that, it's not the Napster that it was in the beginning stealing our content, it's, it's a collaboration. And they're trying to say that it's bad because it holds illegal content. But what they're not telling you is that Facebook has a hundred thousand times more instances of horrifying child abuse content. So the problem, the real problem of child safety, and it is a real problem, isn't being addressed because they're lying. You know, if they were really concerned about child safety, they would be concerned about maybe device-based age verification, not just for pornographic sites, but for every site on the internet, including this podcast that isn't made for children, you know? It's the Wild West on the internet right now, and somebody does need to help our children be protected, but if all you want to do is get rid of porn, let's talk about that, and let's not keep gaslighting the public, basically. So that's kind of my, my brief sum up of the documentary. I feel like it put people on the same playing field that both didn't have sort of the truth at heart. I think the porn performers were really, you know, saying their truths and the other side was sort of using the public's emotions to lie about their real goals. It's so disgusting is what I don't, one thing that's my biggest pet peeve 
it's misinformation and people being underinformed, you know, and no one's there against their will. But right. what I will say is Facebook, they don't care. Okay, they have trust and safety, that whole trust and safety team, blah, blah, blah. They don't do anything. So nobody's monitoring Facebook. And the amount of minutia that's going on, that's like my new word of the week, the minutia that's gone on in Facebook. You know, I'm watching this uh, documentary about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. He put his mom's home up for sale without her permission on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> that's crazy. I think it was in your neck of the woods too. Somewhere in LA. Where you're from originally. Uh, are you from North Carolina? I lived there till I was three, but I don't remember okay. it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But you've been in the business like consistently when it was going through this whole change of like, uh, we had VHS at one point, way yeah. before your time, by the way. Then we had DVDs. Yeah. Then now all of a sudden it's like, poof, it's all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Now, was there any point during that transition that you just wanted to just like hang it up and call it quits? Because it just seems like so much, you know? Well, back then, even though I owned some of my content and I had my dot com, piracy wasn't really cutting into my bottom line like it was cutting into the company's bottom line. And and musicians too, you know, the internet comes and all of a sudden you have all these tube sites that are stealing everything the day that we put it out, whether that's music, porn, art, you know, it was just a free for all. And it as you know, almost tanked the whole porn industry. I was lucky enough to be mostly a performer at the time. So there was still enough jobs for me to not really feel the squeeze, so to speak. But I did notice, you know, the huge budget features turned into vignettes, the vignettes turned into gonzo, you know, the the budgets really, really, really shrank at that time. And if it hadn't been for both in music and porn and other artistic spaces, the pushback against those thievery-based tube sites, who knows where it would be? Because at one point you couldn't put it up as fast as they were putting it out for free, you know? And, and it was it was tragic for a lot of reasons. You know, even if you're just talking about, you know, protecting people that are not of age, there these tube sites and still the tube sites that are putting up all kinds of nefarious content for anyone to see aren't based in the United States. So it doesn't matter what we in the United States think or do or legislate. It's irrelevant. We're talking about the internet and we've decided that user uploaded content on the internet is okay. So with that in place, what are, what are we as a society going to do to make sure that the people that don't want to see violence or political speech or guns or porn or a podcast that talks about adult or whatever it is are not in front of the wrong eyes. I mean, back in the day, like you said, the VHS days, it was easier. You had that beaded curtain. You didn't get past it. You know, if you didn't have ID, hopefully you had most of your entertainment was consumable over the television, which TV shows had ratings, movies had ratings, even slightly scandalous shows were put in the evening where kids couldn't see them. Those protections are gone. And anyone who is ignorant of 
that, like even the silly thing that Utah did where they're like, enter your age verification and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's so easy to get, that's, this is the stupidest law ever. All you're doing is giving away your personal information to a website who has no way of keeping that safe. Like what kind of dumb ass solution is that? You're making it harder for adults. You're making it less secure for adults and you've done nothing to curb anybody who wants to see anything. Like young people are internet savvy. Yeah. It's insane. And I mean, this is a society that demands more corn as well. At the same time, there are people that shun it. You know, you see them in the street. God yeah. forbid they see a porn star outside of a porn film, like at the supermarket or, you know, daycare or something, picking up their kids. Yeah, you hear a lot. I mean, thankfully, I live in Los Angeles where the <laughs> culture is not like that. Yeah. But I know a lot of my friends that live in the South or the middle of the country have a hard time. It's insane. You know, that's the one thing that really aggravates me about people like that. The other day they were talking about, oh, um, OnlyFans, it's prostitution. No, dickwad, it is not prostitution. I have an OnlyFans, but there's nothing on there. I have like old bikini photos I put out. Um, comedians have it. So I guess comedians are prostitutes. I know, it's so ignorant. Fine. <laughs> Do you know what the definition of prostitution is? <sighs> that's ridiculous. And even if it were, like, I personally think, things would be safer. Yeah. Just like, just like marijuana, it became legal. Now it is controlled. It is not laced with anything. It is behind, you know, an area where children can't get at it. The taxable, all of those things. So if we made increased safety for sex workers of all kinds, whether it's legalization or preferably decriminalization, and nothing but good would come out of it. You know, there are so many statistics to where when you start making sex work illegal, the FOSTA, SESTA, all that stuff, they say it's to protect women, but it isn't. It statistically increases the violence against women. It stops the women from being able to vet who they're working with, to have websites where they put dangerous offenders' names on. It's just, again, another version of people fully knowing the repercussions against women and still going ahead with it because again their real goal was never to keep women safe it was always to make sex work access and access to all forms of sex work harder yeah and it's i mean i definitely am about like prostitution being legalized mm -hmm. uh being european we you know in amsterdam you just go to the red light district and yep. they're all out there in the windows you know they're not doing anything wrong I feel bad for like the hottest girl there because you get these gross guys. Like I once walked by, I felt bad for her. She had a day and a half ahead of her. Yeah. And it's just like gnarly looking like sweaty truck driver type guys. Ugh. She needs to raise her rate. Yeah, it's just gross. But, um, you know, I, I guess they could turn them away. I don't know. I just, I, I have yet to speak to someone that, you know, works behind one of those windows one day. Hopefully. Like if I had a line of people that wasn't doable for my body, I would double my rate. And if I still had a line of people that was, I'd double it again. And I mean, that's what I've done in adult. If I'm booked more times a month than I want to be booked, I raise my rate until I get booked the right amount of times, you know? Oh, exactly. You know, and I guess that's how it is these days. Um, you know, I'm glad I, you know, I quit when I did, because I don't think, I don't know. I just, I don't even know what I was doing, but uh, like you're, 
you have these degrees and everything, and obviously you're talented. You've done a lot of creative stuff from horseback riding. Did you play an instrument as well? The flute, yeah, and piccolo. Oh my God, you took flute? I took recorder yeah. as a kid. Nice. I played so recorder cool. when I was younger, but yeah. 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 Did you do anything with it? Did, were you like in a school band? Like, what did you do? With yeah, I was uh, in the in school bands all the way up until I was in college. I was in the marching band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's so cool. That's amazing. And what clubs were you a member of in high school? Because I know you're a member of something. Yeah. Chess club, marching band, <laughs> drama club, but not as an actor as stage crew. Oh. Um, is that it? yeah was that it yeah that's a lot I think that's so important in like developing young minds to do things really cool so how did you even get into adult so I was a physical therapist I was happily you know working but the nine even though I love my job as a physical therapist the nine to five grind for me just isn't stimulating and the thought of opening my own physical therapy practice seemed like one, a ridiculous amount of work. Insurance policies are changing all the time, never to the benefit of the provider. Um, Even in my relatively short stint of physical therapy, let's see, I graduated in 2001. So that's 23 years now. Even in just that amount of time, we've gone from having insurance happily pay for a 45 minute to one hour one-on-one session with a client to having to triple book people every 15 minutes and not making any more money. Our insurance system is trash and it made my job stressful and it made me not want to go after the type of autonomy and independence that I seek in that field, which would be opening my own practice because it's a nightmare. It's an insurance nightmare. Um, So I was doing a little bit of modeling on the side for just spare money, extra money, model mayhem, sexyjobs.com back in the day. And my current agent, uh, Sandra, found me on one of those sites and was like, would you like to come to LA and shoot some porn? And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, porn? So I figured I would do it and it would be like, look at these, look at this, like how cool Nana was back in the day. You know what I mean? I thought it would just be like this thing. I'd look back on when I was 90 and be like, I was a bad bitch. I was cool. I tried things. I was doing things. Um, And I was already a swinger at the time in my private life. So it wasn't like so crazy. I was always experimental. I enjoy my sexuality. So I went um, and I, I was only doing girl, girl for many years. I went and I shot my first week of scenes And instead of being like, great, I did it, check, whatever, uh, head back to Nashville, continue with my career, I loved it. I loved the people that I met. I loved the job. I loved having fancy hair and makeup. I just thought it was the most fun. So I started going back like for a week every other month and then for a week every month. And then I was there for like two, three weeks out of every month and I 10 years ago, I moved to LA. I'm like, okay, you need to start taking this job seriously. And so I started doing more porn and less physical therapy. And then in the pandemic, just because things got sketchy, I stopped doing physical therapy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people stop physical jobs. There are some escorts though, that were still working. Mm. 
Yeah. And a lot of them were like waiting till everything got calmed down. So I, I was just curious when I, and I went on arrows. So I'm like, huh? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. But it was a very trying time. And with your OnlyFans, when did that actually start? Was it during the pandemic? Because everyone has different stories of their OnlyFans. Yeah. So I'd say for the past, for about five years before the pandemic, I had already transitioned, not on OnlyFans, but into being my own primary uh, earner. You know, my content was making me way more money than my studio shoots even back then. I was doing the whole clip store hustle. I was doing premium Snapchat, which was like printing money for a while. And then the pandemic hit. And even though I was doing all those projects, I was still working for other companies at least five days a week, come home from my work, shoot my content. Um, at least in the Snapchat days, I was shooting a new scene every day. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and I was like, I have all this time, you know, I'm not shooting for other companies what can I do to like add to my business, not to the shooting for other people's business? So I started OnlyFans and then I added that to my wheel of content and the pandemic came, the pandemic went and almost right away after the pandemic, I got contracted with Brazzers. So now I only perform a couple times a month for them, which is perfect. That's all I wanted to perform for others. That's all I have the time to do for others anyway. And they're just the perfect company to be contracted with. They have easy, great scenes. They send me amazing traffic. Um, yeah, win-win. That's awesome. I hear so many things about browsers. Like this is way after me. I'm like learning all about this. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Because back then we had contract girls. You get yep. a box cover. Then yep. you do one or two scenes a month and that's it. But now to know that you could actually get a contract and work twice a month, I think that's so amazing for you. And it just keeps everyone so much safer because now I understand you have people that are just um, content creators that never Lots. knew about the testing the proper way back in the day. And there's so many different uh, scares. Yeah, at least for me, everyone works their business their own way. Everyone creates their content their own way. But when I create content, I use the rules that the industry taught me. Your test has to be 14 days old or newer. You have to have oral and rectal swabbing. I need a full panel. You know, I'm, I'm not messing around with it. I've, yeah. So even when I'm shooting my own content, which is far more frequent than the amount that I shoot for other people, I still have my model releases, my 2257s, my full testing panel, you know, I'm doing it, doing it the business way. That's so refreshing to hear. It's just so responsible. <laughs> well, yeah, I, it's, it's crazy to me that like, for example, let's just use OnlyFans as an example, because it's a platform a lot of people are using. Um, they have this bizarre, uh, age verification where you can just tag the other performer and it goes through. So a lot of content creators aren't getting two, two, five, sevens or model releases. They're like, oh, I'll just tag you on OnlyFans. I'm like, cool. You're still filling out my paperwork because not if, when OnlyFans leaves, you're not going to own any of it. And I am. <laughs> That's so crazy smart. because back in like the nineties, like late nineties, people did sign model releases. Right. But what people don't, a lot of the girls don't realize is you may have signed those, but those photographers that were snapping away, 
There was nowhere in there that said for internet use, right. World Wide Web, because it didn't exist. So it just puzzles me to this day when you have some girls nowadays that work back then. Well, I'm trying to get my stuff from him, but he's not going to give it to me. He has a model release. I'm like, wake up. Why would they give it to the model? You don't own the content. You know what? Because some guys around then were just, and they still are, bullies. Little and little, I mean little bullies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot comes from, you know, some people who I guess just, you got to find a way to make a dime really fast, you know. That's great. Um, I know even now, um, even if the male talent, for example, holds the camera, I will not only give him the model release, but he also needs a photography release because I don't know if you know this, but anyone who takes your pictures, if they don't have a photography release also owns the content, even if they're just holding the camera and POV. And if you don't have that photography release, they do own the content, maybe not exclusively, but they have rights to use it, sell it, publish it. Wow. Legally. A treasure trove of like knowledge on this. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't really like looking all this stuff back then. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know, but I didn't care. I didn't know what I was going to do next anyway. So, well, yeah, when I, I was only working for other companies, it didn't matter to me if their paperwork was good for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just cared that their paperwork wasn't damaging to me. Now that I'm on the other side, I do care that the paper, you know what I mean? Now yeah. that I'm on the, the content creator business production side. Well, you've been around for 12 years. How much longer do you think you actually will stay at this? Like another 10 years or indefinitely? Like you just don't Until know. I'm tired of it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, people ask that a lot. I, I don't <laughs> envision myself getting tired of it anytime soon, but it's hard to say what the future will hold, you know? So let's say you were still like, let's say the physical therapy was dying down. What would be the other thing you would do if you weren't doing porn or even doing photos like modeling? I mean, at this point, I mean, I've been in 12 years. I've made enough money for my lifetime, my niece's lifetimes. It's that that's not a problem. So I probably at this point would like volunteered it like I wouldn't be able to just like sit around at home that's not my jam I probably volunteered an animal shelter or do per diem physical therapy like not per diem uh, pro bono physical therapy or you know maybe open uh like a women's health or sexual wellness clinic or something like that yeah that's interesting so back in the day do you remember paw uh Sharon Mitchell's company I don't yeah when we go back, I, I don't trust these documentaries. So when I saw that, I watched some of that thing on Pornhub. It's like, I really am very dubious about a lot of these things. Cause sometimes it just looks like a witch hunt, right? Or they're trying mm-hmm. to point fingers. So I was around during the era of the Mark Wallace incident. Okay. I never worked with him. Then all of a sudden they show clips on Showtime on that thing, uh, Porndemic from one of my films flash it's a Sharon Mitchell well you know that's just very irresponsible behavior okay no I never worked with him though I wasn't even on a list of people so you know who are you to say anything so yeah. it's, just such, it's a weird thing back then it was very it was very judgy I feel now it's just such a um a very open thing now in the industry and you people are there supporting each other way more oh you think so I, I think you I are kind of I mean I August Ames but yeah Oh, that was so sad. That was just horrible. 
I feel like my group of friends is super supportive, but I, I am, maybe this is wrong because I wasn't there. I imagined like old school porn being more supportive because there were so fewer people. Now there's like tens or hundreds of, there's people all around the world. Like, I don't even know the names of 2% of the pornographers. I feel like it's just such a big, 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 big amount of people. It's hard to even know who's here, you know? We were assholes. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, that sucks. oh God. Yeah. I mean, no, some of the, some of them were really cool, but then you have some people uh, that were just very much attached to their life outside of there. I would just like, I would just show up and work and go home. Like I'd have yeah. nail appointments and shit, like more important things to do. And, you know, that's just, you know, that was me, but I know a lot of people are just very, um, very bitchy, but it was the height of glamour because you had the really big hair, the extreme makeup and everything. And it was a fun part that fun. of that. And hopefully that makes a comeback. You know, yeah. um, I'm just glad that they're having contracts for girls like you, uh, which is important. Now, swing dancing. Mm -hmm. I read that somewhere. Is that true? Yeah, very, oh, very, very Swing true. dancing and like, yeah, how do you, what, yeah how do you in college. That? So my grandfather was in a jazz band. I grew up listening to 1930s, 40s music a lot. I was, oh, that I forgot. See, I was in the marching band and the jazz band. So I was also in the jazz band. Huge, 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 huge fan of the music. And then there was that really brief swing revival in the early 90s. So I hopped onto that bandwagon and then just never stopped. You know, I still dance now in LA regularly. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. I love dressing up. I love dancing. I'm obsessed with the music. It's just like pure joy to me. You know, I think that's probably why it makes, well, you are interesting, but on top of that, just what makes you very well-rounded. And I, if I met you in real life and didn't know, I would never expect that you were involved in the adult film industry because you have such an attachment to a life outside of there to keep your mental wellness like in check and just the life, like you're not going to dress like Sherry DeVille on a porn set when you go get groceries at Ralph's. Never. Maybe never. you do. I don't know. But I don't. Okay, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I always say like, I'm a porn star that can like pass as a civilian. Yeah. Like no one would ever unless they recognized me, look at me and go like, she might be a porn star. Where like you would do that to some people that are an adult. You could look at them and be like, she might be a porn star. But I feel, I do have friends in the industry, but I have far more friends that aren't in the industry. Um, yeah, my, my work is porn, but my life isn't porn, if that makes any sense. I'm not yeah. just like always hanging out with porn people, always going to the porn parties, always, you know, it it's not my whole world. I have a lot of different interests and friends and yeah. You sound just like me in like 1995, 96, because people just didn't understand that. Like I like to play with ducks in the Venice canals. I like to go mm. traveling. Yeah. I was hanging out with uh, Randy Castillo from Ozzy Osbourne at that time. We we're just nice. friends, but that's what I was doing was going to concerts and doing like normal things. Yeah. So it's just such a, it's such a um, important thing these days to not get caught up in that whole thing. Speaking of dressing up, by the way, really Dungeons and Dragons. Like I never understood that. I know about Dungeon Masters and yep. like, I just don't, 
Mm -hmm. So I started playing okay. Dungeons and Dragons in high school and I've had the current group that I play with, I've been playing with for four years on a weekly basis. We play every Sunday now and it's, it's awesome. We're on our third campaign together. Yeah. Oh my God. I have to learn D and D. I, I just, yeah. do you do cosplay? Because everyone's like, Ooh, could I play? And I'm like, yes. Do you have Sundays for the rest of your life available that you're willing to completely 100% commit to not booking over? Because that is the level of commitment that you need. Oh my God. I yeah. How long is your campaign? Years, years, years. I'm sorry, but they're different levels, right? I mean, what do you mean? Like with D&D, there are all these different levels. Is there a dungeon master or something? Yeah, so there's one person that commits to running the game. You know, they commit to choosing the adventure and guiding the players from beginning to end. And then you have the players that are the characters that they are putting through the world that either you're going with like a module that someone else created or you've made yourself. It's sounds super fun. Cool. No, it sounds like fun. Do you do cosplay as well? Yes. I don't always dress up when I play, but sometimes when we play, we all dress up. And I do. I love cosplay, not just for Dungeons and Dragons, but in porn, I've done Mortal Kombat porn, Power Rangers porn, Princess Peach, Super Mario. The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. I love Star Trek, Star Wars, all of it. Yeah. Have you been to a Star Trek convention? I haven't, but I would. Oh my God, you've got to go. I mean, yeah. they get so, I mean, the specificity of these people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I used to deal uh, vintage toys and collectibles when I was in college. So I would go to those conventions and sell like model kits to middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. It probably turned out to be my fan base like much later on. But oh, the yeah. specificity of these guys arguing, well, that's on the wrong side. Well, no, nah, nah, that's got to be there. It's oh, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> Most of my friends are mega nerds, so I completely get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other world. It's so like you just immerse yourself. What like what drew you to this? Are you an only child by any chance? No, I'm okay. I'm an oldest. Yeah. Um, I love, well, it goes along with porn too. I love fantasy. I love role playing. I love acting I love you know a lot of the things and then just like the I can keep up with the incredible nerdiness of it like the multiple like even creating your character and their attributes and their backstory like it takes a level of like dedication to nerddom to even want to like put that amount of time into something I've always been a video game nerd um all of it I was in the marching band, like I'm just fully, fully somehow a reasonably looking nerd. But I feel like at least nowadays, especially in the BDSM community, um, a lot of pornographers are ridiculously smart, ridiculously nerdy. Um, yeah, really my kind of people. I Yeah. <laughs> it's not the stereotype that people think of like, Oh, doing cocaine off someone's ass on like all the drugs. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there are some people, but not my friends. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, ex I, I've dealt with some real wackos, but I don't think I've ever um, seen that end of it, you know, 
Yeah, so, like if someone, yeah. one time I actually suspected that someone might be high on set and I left. Yeah. Because you, it's rape. If I have sex with someone on film that's under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they can't consent. And if they can't consent, I'm leaving set immediately. Yeah, you don't need to be in the middle of a Me Too scandal. Uh, that was not, yeah, that's not what we're looking for when you go to work, trust me. But that's, uh, you know, it seems like all these things you commit to, you sound like you would be really good at improv. And I've taken like every, like I've been in almost every improv conservatory around LA. And Canada. Like, as a pornographer, you have to be good at improv, right? Yeah. I you guess have to be given so, right? a little nugget of a story and you have to take that through an hour. You know, you have to be able to keep up. You should be able to, the best pornographers can keep up that character throughout, curate their dirty talk toward who that person would be, stay in character, say the good stuff. It's part of building the fantasy. Yeah. The who, what, where, why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah. Now, what's the weirdest request that you've, I'm sure you've gotten quite a few. What's the weirdest one you've received on OnlyFans? I feel like the weirdest customs that I do are the ones where I can't figure out why they're sexual. You know, like, like I got a custom for like putting a bunch of miniature people in a bowl of cereal and then eating them. And so like, I'll do it, but like, I always, when I can't figure out why it's sexual, I always ask the customer, where in this video do you imagine you'll be ejaculating? You know what I mean? So one, I can make sure that whatever that moment is, I'm doing my very best job. And two, so I can start to understand what the fetish might be. You know what I mean? Like I did one where it was 45 minutes of me holding my hand completely silently over another model's mouth, I've done all, I've done one where I just sniffed my upper lip. That's it. I mean, so, so the ones where I'm masturbating and saying someone's name, like I get that. I get where you're going with that. It's the ones where I'm like, well, where's the sex part in this? I know you're jerking off to it, but like for what part, you know? Yeah. Well, the miniature people, did you get like little, um, miniature dolls and you just put, you're eating them out of a cereal? Tiny little plastic people. Yeah. And you didn't swallow it, obviously. You're no, so, no, no. Like, that's so weird. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. guys. In there, I did. I couldn't do this when Kessler had their uh, webcam. They decided to start it in the '90s, and I was the guinea pig. <clears throat> Three minutes in, I just left. I was right like, now. "Okay, I'm done with this." I told somebody to go fuck himself, uh, go stick a tamale up his ass, and right. the guy who was monitoring it, like right there, he's like, "You can't say that." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Okay, why this is I? Yeah. Exactly. Then but I don't want. It's my yeah. camp show. Thank you. Exactly. But I didn't want to get naked too. That was the other thing. So I went to the strip yeah. club to go have a steak after. So that was um Good. that was my, my hot night. So I know that you've been nominated for a lot of things with XRCO and so forth. Tell us some of your nominations. Um, I know that you got MILF of the Year, correct? Yeah. So this past awards season, I got AVN MILF Performer of the Year. Xbiz Performer of the Year and Pornhub Top Milf. <laughs> I could totally see why, believe me, hundred percent. So it's a good year. <laughs> huh? It's a good year good for year. the milfs. I mean, it's a whole other fetish app. Before they didn't have that. You know, oh. it was so different. You had like a. It was kind of an oddity, but now it's like a hot thing. And I think that's yeah. allowing a lot of comebacks to 
you know, lots a lot of, of people who are 40, 50, however yes. old to come back and just slide right into the MILF market because there's not many, there's a zillion billion 20 somethings, yeah. but there's not many 40, 50 year old women. Yeah. Good to know. No, uh, but that's so interesting. Huh? You make it sound so glamorous. And so like, Hey, guess fun. What? it's I know. really, really fun. Yeah. And, and now with so many clip stores, so many sites like OnlyFans, so many places like Pornhub and your own.com and all of that stuff that you can completely run on your own without anybody's help. It's a beautiful time to balance your own income and studio work, even as a new performer, because in the past, new performers before they could say yes and no to everything, still had to pay their mortgage, still had to pay their rent, still had to buy their groceries. So sometimes I know people would say yes to something that they weren't completely like, I'm so excited about this, right? But now we have our own stuff going on. We pick and choose anything we shoot for ourselves, 100%, and for companies as well. So it's it's a really nice time to be in the on-camera sex work space. You mean you're the perfect advocate for this? Once again, because everyone knows you're very well-spoken and smart and you're beautiful. So, And you've been around long enough. So you are probably the best spokesperson for this business to advocate for women to be a part of it because you hear they show you the train wrecks right yeah they so love our culture loves yes. our misogynistic patriarchy loves nothing more than a woman that failed at something they told them not to do right they love and i told you so story what they don't show you is all of my friends retired and otherwise are rich they yeah, own a lot of homes, they own businesses, they take care of their families, they take care of their extended families, like they're their own entrepreneurs. And no one, no one wants to tell that story. No they one never do. tell the story of my friend who owns an army of dry cleaning stores. No one wants to tell the story of the my friend who has seven Airbnbs across the United States and in Tulum. No one wants to tell you about my girlfriend who has a coffee company, a drink company, an energy bar company, a clothing company, and her porn. Like those aren't stories they want to tell because that's a woman succeeding. Oh, exactly. Told them not to do. You know, and it's it's just it's that. But then when I was contacted, I forgot which company they were doing. So life after porn, you know, they interviewed me, but I didn't fit the narrative of someone mm. that was this total disastrous drug addict train wreck. And I'm like, I'm not your narrative of what you want. So you got to go like somewhere else for that. And, you know, cause it's not me. I don't have that. But even if you did a life after surgery for surgeons that yeah. have retired, there's going to be some train wrecks. Yeah. And if you only always interview the train wrecks, the public is going to believe that surgeons are train wrecks. There are they going are. to be sex worker <laughs> train wrecks and there are going to be sex worker successes like in any job. I've been in the medical field. I've seen great successes and epic failures. It's the same everywhere. It is. And they never want to show the good stuff. Yeah, I've, I've known a lot of surgeons that are um, complete train wrecks. I just tend mm -hmm. to stay away from them. It's scary, you know, and it's, that's why you have things like real self and you could actually look up someone's license to see 
who they've done what to and when. And it's funny when you call them out on it during consultations or whatever. Good. Oh, well, there's a lot of lies on the internet. No, no, no. Here's a court document right here online. But it's um, <clears throat> it's a very strange world that we live in. And uh, it's only going to get um, more interesting. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Or Unfortunately, it seems to be getting more politically divided where like, you know, back in the day, you vote one way one election, you vote another way the next election, just based on the candidate, you have friends of all different political leanings. And now everyone's trying to stay in their own little box. Like I still have friends on all sides of the aisle, but everyone else seems to be like, oh, how could you be friends with them? They're this, or how can you be like, listen, first of all, if you put yourself in your own little sound bubble and you never hear alternate opinions, doesn't matter if you agree or disagree, you should still be hearing articulate versions of the story that you're not telling yourself, you know, of the other side. Yeah, but also what's important is how you treat people at the end of the day. I had a friend who's, he would just call me during the pandemic to argue. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was like one of your best friends. And this is what you call me for to ask me why this, why, and just yell at me. No. Come on. Like, I'm the only friend that spoke to you when you got fired from your job, too, but actually took you out to breakfast and loaned you 500 bucks. But I still never got back, you know? So it's just, it's really dumb. And it was never like this before. Um, I just listen to what people have to say, but I don't care what people's views are. Uh, I really don't care, you know? And I don't, like, not talk to someone. Unless you're a bad person and doing bad things that aren't morally ethical, moral or ethical, then I have a problem with you. But yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It's just so retarded nowadays when people do that. And it's just, you know, you divide yourself from other people when you want to start arguing. That's how you isolate yourself into like whatever it is you want to do, you know? And I don't, I mean, I know there's some people um, that wouldn't come on my show because they know I'm a conservative. Okay, so whatever. Was I nice to you when you met me the last time? Did I do anything horrible to you? No, I did not. So what's the problem? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, a, it's a crazy world out there, but well, at the end of the day. And in even another level, <laughs> if you only say you're a liberal and you only talk to other liberals, you're lost in your own echo chamber. And if you're liberal and you're trying to get views out to a conservative audience, maybe you should, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> If you're only on liberal podcasts, then you're preaching to the choir. You're never, ever, ever going to get your voice heard by anyone on the other side. So it doesn't really make sense to me in a few levels. It depends how people approach each other. I've been to Turning Point USA events and you have kids. These are kids now in their 20s who are on both sides, but they come together and they're all sitting at the table being more mature than most adults we know today. And they don't care, but they listen to each other and everyone's calm. They don't react with emotions and stuff. And when you start doing the emotion thing, that is where we fly off. And I've been on enough shows and podcasts that have both sides, but there was no argument except once. And this girl got hella bent on so many things and went completely insane, insane. Mm -hmm. And just like, I'm like, okay, so yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, but we just continued our conversations like nothing, you know, my my good friend is extremely liberal, but we don't talk about that stuff. We just don't care. You know, it's like, hey, you just had a kid. How's the kid doing? You know, is that a wedding? And how's that? Like that, you know, uh, but I never, you know, I don't take it into a classroom because people look at you like you're crazy. 
and they want to like kick you out of like classes or schools and that's just so stupid you live in huh what part of the country do you live in um I'm in LA right now uh yeah LA is very liberal I was like I was like I don't feel like you'd say that if you lived everywhere which is why I asked yeah yeah no I mean I've you know even in my other classes, like when I was taking a Meisner class, I still have friends from Europe. And then I have uh, one good friend of mine that's African-American. My scene partners were African-American mostly. And then this other girl, I don't know what she was, but, um, you know, we're all still friends. Like we'll go have lunch. Yeah. You know, and it was a middle-aged white guy in the class that was getting this crazy liberal thing. I'm like, dude, would you shut up? Like, also, just What was the class nothing. about? Why was politics involved oh. at all? It was just the older guy who brought it up and um, it's a fuck. It's an acting class. It's a method acting class. And yeah, leave it alone. I know. He just Let's brought just it up all acting. the time. I'm like, you guys got to stop bringing politics into your acting. You're being paid to act, go act. Any set I've been on, nobody even brought politics up and no one cares. It's just outside of there. I think the pandemic really put people in a space where they just had so much time, you know, to think about how shit their lives are or this person or that person and just divided friendships you know i should have started my podcast then it would have been a very interesting time it would have been volatile i'll tell you that huh oh well it would have been volatile people were so yeah emotional i know it's crazy you know <laughs> and people are still emotional like when they you know they flip on like all these porn channels and stuff. Well, are they really doing that? Is that is she being pushed? No, dickwad. She's not being pushed. She's 18. I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, and we it's just- all the paperwork. Yeah. We have all the IDs. We're all consenting. It, and now I don't know what it was like when you were there. We spend quite some time before we shoot the scene doing a written and verbal checklist of consent. Yeah. Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Yes or no? And it's all fine. Whether you say yes or no, everyone's like, okay, cool, cool, okay. They had some, I mean, there's some instances where we just had the paperwork, but the funniest thing I do remember years ago, and I never watched porn growing up except once, and you're going to like this one. Uh, it was Hyde Patiently, Randy Spears, and Peter North. Fine. Mm. At the end of it, when they're rolling the credits, this dark hair, dark skinned guy popped up all chiseled. It said Randy Spears under it, mm -hmm. right? under the blonde guy it said peter north so oh. i went through my whole like first few early years thinking peter north was this um blonde guy and randy Spears was the dark-haired one and uh so it was my very first scene who do you want to work with oh peter north then this dark-haired chisel guy shows up i'm like who are you peter so north. i'm like thinking i'm like uh-huh okay did you have lighter hair at some point oh no okay yeah i just like I mean, it wasn't the worst day in my life, but it was just, I, I learned like, one what? thing. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't know, uh, they did something wrong. I don't know, you know. In the movie, yeah, and the DVD, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what are you guys doing? So what that was the first porn you ever watched? The first one I ever watched, yeah, that was the only one I ever watched. Even like my own things, I wouldn't watch because I'm just like, okay, cool. I like the box cover. That looks fun. That's cool looking. And it was fun. I, until I had to start editing, I, I don't like watching my work because I'm too self-critical and I want to remain natural in my scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have no interest in watching my own work unless I have to edit it. Well, was did anyone ever ask you to watch one of your films with you there? No. Really? No. Oh my God. That's so weird. 
that's like the only crazy that's like a crazy request years ago someone okay watch it film. no i don't want to watch it I, i'd rather watch like south park or something or like the only movie i watch over and over is tootsie with dustin hoffman you could ask me anything about that it was about a guy who wanted an acting role and um he dressed as a woman for the role and got it that's even fun. though he was coaching his best friend played by terry gar to get the role and she didn't yeah. get it that was fun. so funny but yeah so have to watch that one very boring life um so do you feature dance at all I used to but again before the pandemic then the pandemic stopped it and then I just took on you know I was throwing projects at the wall like candy and so I took on too many projects and I don't have time anymore that's good. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, um, it's a very tiring thing too. You know, people don't understand. It takes a lot. I was only doing it once a month, but even that it's a day of travel, two, three days of performing, and then a day of travel on the other end. Like I can't give up a week out of my month for basically one gig, you know? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. So if people want to find out, like if you want to go to your links and look you up, see what you're doing and check out your hot content and your awards, obviously where can they go um well i'll give my social media so instagram sheree deville xo twitter sheree deville tiktok the internet's stepmom and then my only fans is sheree deville but you can also just google me google sheree deville see what happens yeah and of course i'll plug them in here so these guys could actually go and see mm -hmm. her you should you're losing that if you don't um and yeah do you have any messages for the fans out there Thanks for watching my smut. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah. And thank you guys for watching and listening, doing, uh, you know, whatever it is that you did today to uh, see us. <laughs> Thanks so much. Are you enjoying the ride on my crazy train? Woo! Please make sure to rate and review Crazy Train Podcast. Take a screenshot, send it to me in a DM via Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and I will send you a free goodie bag. Oh, and Crazy Train Podcast is now on YouTube. So subscribe, Crazy Train Podcast, that's with a K, on YouTube for video interviews and never heard before interviews and some really cool bonus content. Woo!